what does that journey look like? Where are the touch points across all of the businesses that's affecting that 60, 90 day onboarding period to which our merchants experiencing e-commerce, right? And in doing so, we evaluated, okay, of those touch points, what were the things that were broken and weren't ideal in terms of the setup and the exploration of EC? And that equated to a customer journey map, a service map, if you would, that identified, oh, there's an opportunity here for SBD or professional services to have a bigger role, all the way down to, oh, how many times have we actually contacted the merchant to understand whether they're onboarding well, whether the setup is going on track? And those things really kind of seeded the changes in organization. And that all stems from a customer journey map. Hello and welcome to This Is 8 CD. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a designer, educator and the host of This Is 8 CD based in the wonderful city of Dublin, Ireland. Now our goal here is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. I caught up recently with Royce Wong, co-founder and CEO of InOrbit and Global Director of Product Design at Big Commerce. Now, Royce is based out of Sydney, Australia, my old home, and in this conversation, we speak about Big Commerce's growth and their strategic direction and differentiation between all the other players in that niche. We speak about balancing of the two titles. He's also, as I said, CEO of InOrbit, his own startup, and that's what he's trying to tackle there is the asynchronous collaboration space. It's a really fascinating space to get into. Royce is truly awesome. I absolutely loved connecting with him, and I know you're going to love this episode. Now, if you like what we're doing at This Is 8 City, please help us out by leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. As you know, it only takes a couple of minutes and it really helps the findability for other designers around the world to find us. Or you could go one better by becoming a patron, folks. Uh, you can get an ad-free stream of the podcast for as little as €1.66 per month or €20 Euros a year. And you also get a shout out as a thanks for everyone that does that. So... As you know, this is HCD.com has become a repository for human-centered design goodness. We're now over 230 episodes. So if you do like what we're doing, think about becoming a patron. It really helps us out. Let's get into it. Royce Wong, how are you doing? Delighted to have you on the podcast. Yeah, doing well and glad to be here. Really excited to kind of chat with you and just talk shop. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... You know, I've been a fan. Uh, you know, Eduardo Krantz, who is co-studio lead in Tokyo put us in touch um, a number of months ago and you know I have to stop myself doing an impression of Eduardo here but I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that for an entire episode but he went hey man you need to you need to speak the rise and I said okay well you know he mentioned to me many times over the years about some of the brilliant work that you've been doing in your in your career so it's great to finally get some time with you and to chat about it but for our listeners who don't really know a little bit about you you're an interesting person because you've got two titles and um, so that means that you're actually 100 percent better than everybody else we've ever had <laughs> on the podcast because so, you've got two most people only have one so maybe you kick off and tell us um a little bit about yourself and what you do yeah absolutely and um i wouldn't say 100 percent, maybe 50 percent <laughs> Oh yeah, 50%. <laughs> Shit. 50%. You know, it's Monday morning just, here. Yeah, exactly right. No, um, yeah, thanks for that. I mean, okay, so I have two titles. The first one is Global uh, Product Designer or Product Director at um, at BigCommerce. Yeah. And my role there is really to head up the product design team to envision products, features, mer- like, you know, solve the merchant need, right? Yeah. 
Hmm. And the other one is, you know, my startup space. So, you know, um, as a founder or co-founder of InOrbit, and this is more about collaboration, asynchronous facilitation, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's uh, a passion project, something for us to really kind of move forward in terms of uh, how we do work in the future. Nice. Well, which one do you want to talk about first? Because I'm interested in big commerce um, in what they're doing, actually, in, in the, the whole kind of e-com space. Yeah. and how, how they see themselves and how they differ between the likes of Shopify, which is obviously one of the mm-hmm. big players in that space. So how, mm-hmm. wh- why big commerce? Why would someone choose big commerce over some of the other e-commerce platforms? I think one of the key, key things is that we are leading with the open SaaS strategy, right? And one of the key, like e-commerce and uh, as <clears throat> in terms of the merchant space is very complex. The needs mm. are very different. Workflows are very different. Uh, sources of truth in terms of like, you know, your inventory to your ERP, all of those things are very different from one merchant to the next. Yeah. And when you think about, you know, region to region, the need, uh, I think, in my opinion, uh, e-commerce has a unique proposition better than that of uh, Shopify. Yeah, but you're going to have to say that, aren't you? <laughs> I have <laughs> to say that. But I, mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, from that perspective, I think we integrate well. We have a position yeah. where we are about you know regionally specific merchant specific requirements we're not forcing you know unique propositions and feature sets that is solely owned by by us um, and we we integrate with the best of breed so that's you know really kind of formulating a foundation where you get the benefits of all of those different businesses that you get uh, access to right so i think that's the unique proposition that we have and i think you know we well, are maturing that space one by which we can differentiate against shopify so with big commerce, I know my my big brother actually uses big commerce in his retail store in Ireland. Like you know, uh, I mentioned to him that I was going to be speaking to somebody from big commerce, and he couldn't believe it. He was like, <laughs> um, I was explaining that they're they're an Australian business, correct? I'm right, aren't they? They're they're, they're mm. from Sydney, I think. Oh, well, they're Australian founded, yeah, and headquartered in Austin. Yeah, Austin and Texas. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I, right. I was right because I do remember way back in the the late tens to mm-hmm. that big commerce was Sydney based. Is that right? around yes. this time yeah mm-hmm. so i'm not i'm not going crazy but <laughs> i guess I'm, I'm interested in in the evolution of the product from that time um mm-hmm. can you talk to me a little bit more around you know that time where where it's come from where it's mm-hmm. at now and where do you think mm-hmm. e-commerce is going to go where's the big challenges for, for big commerce in say the next 18 months to, to two years uh that would be a difficult question yeah. to answer but i'll try my best i think the evolution of e-commerce was you know we were very much fragmented in terms of the space and the problems that we we're trying to solve for SMB, mm. complex, low complexity, high complexity, um, different merchant types, right? From yeah. automotive all the way through to digital, that kind of thing. And I think it, the evolution of our business really started to take hold when Brent Bellum started focusing our efforts around mid-market enterprise and you know going in that trajectory. And I think that really, you know, differentiated not only um, what our offering was going to be, you know, and but our entire mentality, the culture and the workspace was really focused on those complex needs. How do we really support that? When you think about all the op- opportunities in different regions all the way through to selling internationally, it poses very, very different problems yeah. that you need to go and approach. So that, that real kind of focus for, for the product team and the business as a whole um, really kind of evolved within those few years. And I think now that we've landed at a position where we feel very confident with and we have like, you know, a good trajectory toward, 
I think that's where we're going to start to, you know, make headways and win. Okay. So what's the team like at Big Commerce? And you're not allowed to say that they're awesome, by the way, but we want to understand the, I'm sure they are, but we want to understand the, the makeup yeah. of the, the design team and yeah. how, how design has been used as a strategic lever within the organization. Yeah, this is really, okay, so this is a timely conversation. One of the key things is, um, you know, more, our team is spread across four locations, Austin, San Francisco, Kiev, and Sydney. Yeah. And our team is still dispersed in that way. And one, one of the key things that we're trying to do is develop uh, levels of maturity where we inform mm. strategy. And doing that is through, you know, uh, research all the way through to concept testing, getting the, the, the conference ethnographic research, getting the <coughs> on that, and then this continuous pipeline of understanding our merchant bases so that we can compare against like, you know, the Gartner reports, what's coming from marketing yeah. uh, to evaluate like, oh, truly are we solving this particular problem? So our team is structured in that way where we have a researcher, a copywriter, a product designer, really thinking about that particular domain area that they're responsible for and projecting forward, what can we do to solve that space? Mm. Um, in terms of the structure, uh, so what we, what we, right now, what we are uh, doing is we're investing into functions, which is, you know, visual design, copywriting, um, moving into interface design, service design. Um, all of those things are being invested into, and the underlining or underpinning of that is, you know, developing these components and these structures to support all of the you know, strategic investments that we make. Yeah. So for something like service design versus, um, say, visual design, mm -hmm. there's different, um, I guess, kind of challenges for each one of those uh, those practitioners. So the the service designer will be trying to affect ultimately the policy level of design, like you know, be able to. How is that being challenged within the organization? Because that's a big interest for me. As a practitioner, a service designer, I love those conversations. I love evoking those, the root cause problems for, for things to happen. What does that look like for a, an organization that, that's just taken the first steps into that strategic service design role um, for big commerce? What's the reporting structure look like there? So I wouldn't say, I mean, I was, I'll discuss the first project that really mm. seeded you know, the structures of the way that we invested into yeah. The one thing that we were looking at was um, churn, right? We were facing churn. That's a problem. We need to have retention. So in doing so, we started looking at, okay, what is the child-paid conversion like? What is that journey look like? Where are the touch points across all of the businesses that's affecting the 60, 90-day onboarding period to which yeah. our merchants experiencing e-commerce, right? And in doing so, we evaluated, okay, of those touch points, what were the things that were broken and weren't ideal in terms of the setup in, and, and the exploration okay. of EC? Sure. And that equated to a customer journey map, uh, a service map, if you would, that yeah, identified, okay. oh, there's an opportunity here for SPD or professional services to have a, a bigger role, all the way down to, down to, oh, how many times have we actually contacted the merchant to understand, you know, whether they're onboarding well, whether the setup is, you know, mm. going on track. And those things really kind of seeded the changes in organization. And that all stems from a customer journey map. Yeah. Right. And Great. then, um, and that, that really became the thing that created this hunger for more. Like, how do I understand all the interplay and interconnected experiences between, oh, um, customer support, all the way to the, you know, sales business development, 
all the way through to um, our product actually fulfilling that value proposition that marketing has kind of put out there. Um, so this created um, our research team, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of the value proposition, in terms of the things that we were meant to produce, um, all the way through to, you know, um, the practice itself. How often do we do this uh, and, and who's going to be participating? Uh, so product very managers nice. are very, I guess, attuned to that kind of stuff. So. Okay. You mentioned there one of the big challenges for, for the business um, is the, the different regions and the different mm-hmm. behaviors and the different merchant needs. From a um, distributed team perspective, how are you managing mm-hmm. that with research? Um, are you hiring local teams or agencies? What does that look like? We, we try to hire regionally specific. So we have yeah. a researcher in Sydney, one in the US and one in Ukraine. And those particular individuals have access to those EMEA, uh, APAC kind of uh, merging types so that we are able to get a little bit more of an understanding in terms of their challenges. Now, those, those opportunities really <clears throat> help us understand how the, uh, I guess the e-commerce operation differ from region to region and, yeah. and having them present and you know, uh, accessible to those particular merchants made it a lot easier for us to kind of create that intelligence layer for which uh, our PMs and PDs are making decisions day to day. Um, and we've adopted a new tool, Dovetail, if you know of it. Oh, yeah, I know Dovetail. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben Humphreys and Bradley. Um, so <clears throat> the, that startup really kind of helped us with the infrastructure for our repository and our insights gathering and our yeah. reporting. And that really created that momentum for us, I feel. Give us a, an, an idea of how you're using Dovetail um, in terms of the distributed research team. Um, yeah. And feel free to give it a plug as well. Like, you know, if you want to say it's in the most amazing tool ever, like that's completely fine because <laughs> yeah. um, I've used it and I'm really impressed with it. No, it's, a, it's an amazing tool. And, you know, kudos to the team that built it and, you know, to the founders, Bradley and Ben. Uh, I, I think one of the key things that we've done is we've created stories, right? And each of those particular things uh, actually has tags that allows us to identify the key investment areas that we're making. And any product designer and pro- product manager will be able to keep, click on that tag and understand, oh, actually, here's a real in-depth evaluation of this particular area. And when you're actually making decisions on the fly, trying to understand whether, oh, I'm going to go into this particular region, what are specific differences and nuances that I need to be aware of, the repositories just spit it out. This is, this is really accessible and really um, uh, it helps with the guidance in terms of decisions. Yeah. So, um, we use it from that point of view. And one of the key things that um, aspirationally I'm trying to do is have Dovetail as our intelligence layer across all of e-commerce, that mm-hmm. our product marketers, SBDs, individuals who are, you know, have high access and high touch points to our merchants will be able mm-hmm. to create information so that it's access accessible across everybody inside the business. Yeah. Um, what that does, it helps us <clears> structure verticals our segments a little bit better and is a better rep- representation of the people that we're solving the problems for so yeah i think that real maturity in that structure will help us uh, you know move okay on. one of the big things for merchants um is the speed to get the money yeah. um, <laughs> so um there's a small little irish business i'm not sure if you're aware of it they're called stripe um, <laughs> they uh they they're found by the two Kalisson brothers um, anyway, anyway, just a joke, but we started using Stripe in my former business, this is doing, a number of years ago, um, and I was just blown away. 
literally blown away by the the work that they do and this is not me i have no affiliation with stripe or anything but they really changed the business okay like being able to get it it was almost like a bank okay it really was like like a modern bank a neo bank how does big commerce um manage that because from a business perspective it's almost like that experience that vendor choice that they choose to handle the money will have an indirect um sort of a response to how your own product is being received mm-hmm. that's something that i often look at when you see big commerce or shopify or there's probably a whole lot of other ones out there as well but they're the mm-hmm. two that I, I really kind of i look at mm-hmm. they're cut they're cut totally dependent on the speed of the banks and some of the banks that people are working with are old mm-hmm. okay so how how do you manage that like you can't obviously say just integrate with stripe everyone because it's going to be a better experience where you get your money quicker and all that kind of stuff what are the complexities around that do you have any anecdotal evidence or any anecdotal stories that you'd like to share i think the difficulty with integrations is you solely depend on the third party whatever yeah. apis uh, resident points they're providing how often they're actually updated all the way through to the experience that you know they provide for the merchant who so chooses them right yeah um but from our side, one of the key things we work very closely with our um, partners uh, and those who are, we integrate with, and we have a team that really um, just focuses purely on that particular area. And that I think goes back to the the conversation we or the question you asked of me: How do we differentiate? We integrate mm-hmm. with the best of them, right? And so then the merchants have choice: Who do I want to integrate with and use yeah. as my payment provider? And in doing so, then it's like how can I provide the best choice for my shoppers yeah. so that they can go from cart to checkout immediately, right? And if you think about it, e-commerce is just a one big conversion engine. All you're doing is trying to get that top of yeah. funnel lead into a sale, right? And so the, the, the better that we integrate with those particular uh, third parties uh, and give our merchants choice in terms of what regionally, um, I guess, payment provider works best, I think that's where we're going to win. Yeah, it must be kind of hard to not, from a UX perspective, especially, not just to kind of have preferences about, hey, listen, you're going to get a better experience if you choose this suite of of collaboration tools or this suite for your business versus these dinosaurs over in the corner over here. Yeah, exactly right. I think this is where the marketplace plays that role, right? And I think it filters Mm. the best of them to the top. And those who can't play, they can't play. They can't compete, right? And so that's yeah. where I think you know um, it pushes the, I guess the the uh, the competition to be better. Yeah, and uh, I mean, provide uh, absolutely. I mean, the other day um, I got a an email from PayPal saying that um, I, money had been taken from my account, and I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah, okay, right. This is another one of those spam emails, okay. And I was like, well, I'm just going to check it just to make sure. And I have a PayPal account, but I don't really use it. And I logged in and I tried to get, I clicked the little contact button down the bottom. And I was like, hey, listen, um, I got this email. Can you just authenticate if it's real or not? And they're like, did you mean to say that you are looking for support help on this? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I want to speak to a human. Did you mean you want to speak to this uh, department? I'm like, no, I didn't. I want to speak to a human about this problem that I'm having. And I spent about five minutes and I took a screen grab of it where it just, it started, started to 
you know, degrade in terms of my anger as it went through. And by the end of it, I was like, shut up, shut up, robot. I'm like, why am I even chatting to this robot anymore? But it just said so much about where PayPal has has become. I mean, I couldn't even get hold of anyone. The email, I don't know if it was spam or not, it looked real. And the only way I could try and decipher the problem was, was there any money taken from my credit card? And I'm like, no, there wasn't. So, okay, it must be a mistake. Never heard back from them, sent an email to support and stuff. Versus that, and I think Stripe is probably the equivalent. Stripe and PayPal, are, they're both kind of doing something similar. With Stripe, I get a response within minutes um, from, from people when I message them. And it just goes so so far. Like, I mean, that's the bit that I, I see as a big challenge is for, for business like big commerce and, uh, and like Shopify, wherever it is. That dependency on that selection process of, of your partners and who they choose will have an effect on, on how your brand is being perceived ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're very... I feel like we're very clear about you know yeah. the choice there in the marketplace, um and the scopes and it and you're exactly right. One of the difficulties is if you integrate into our ecosystem and you just iframe your solution inside of our control panel, is that the best experience? Maybe not, right? And so there needs to be some evolution where it actually makes sense between the two solutions, and that's where I think that's the opportunity for us, right? How can we work with these partners who want to inject their value into our ecosystem? and curate it, make it more usable for merchants in, in all the various permutations of their workflow. Okay. Well, look, we're, we're, um, I'm, I'm conscious that we said we're going to speak about 50-50 and, and your other business, like big commerce. Yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to throw a link to it um, in the show notes anyway, okay, because uh, from speaking to my brother, I was like, how's big commerce? He's like, it's brilliant. And he was at Shopify, yeah. by the way. He was with Shopify and he moved his business over to big commerce a couple of years ago. I'll put a link to, yeah, it's good, isn't it? It'd be, be an awkward conversation if I said he was a big commerce and he moved out and do it. And Shopify mm-hmm. have been great partners for, for This Is Hate CD. They were our sponsors for the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not in any shape or form taking sides here, like, you know, but I'll put a link to big commerce um, mm-hmm. into the show notes as well for people to have a look at, at this tool as well, because it, it is super cool if you're looking to start a start a business, um, get online and sell pretty quickly. It's It's a pretty cool tool. Speaking of pretty cool tool voices, um, mm-hmm. in orbit, you've been on a journey mm-hmm. with this business for a while. Maybe tell yeah. us a little bit about where you're currently at with this startup. Yeah, right now what we're doing is we are looking to launch our, uh, I guess, our offering in late December. And one of the key things is this particular tool is all about helping facilitators and uh, those who are trying to do asynchronous collaboration uh, get a better outcome uh, from their from their time. Um, as as you know, as we know in this particular geo-dispersed world, one of the most difficult things is trying to get face time and you know get good results from the time that you're investing into workshops and all yeah. meetings. So hopefully, our tool will be able to resolve any of those particular problems. I'd love to have a look at this now. I'm I'm on I'm on the website as we speak, folks, mm-hmm. um, and it looks pretty interesting. There's there's a few players in this space, just just one or two. I'm sure you're aware of. Um, yeah. GDM, yeah, OKR tools, Miro, all those. Do you integrate with all of those or do you compete with them? Well, there are overlaps. So one of the key things is, you know, Miro is a freeform, open, um, kind of a canvas collaboration Mm -hmm. tool, right? And one of the key things that we are trying to differentiate is we are structured, we've helped with the uh, actual asynchronous and 
supporting aspects of the collaboration piece. And I think that's where we're going to uh, differentiate from that. Okay. So um, I'm going to put a link to this one in the show notes as well, folks, because I know a number of people who I hold in the highest regard, Adam Lawrence and Renata Tugendrad, two good friends of mine. They are facilitation masters, as I call them. I'm sure, I'm sure they're cringing because I know they listen to the podcast when I say that. Whenever <laughs> we, we looked at a number of tools and we, were, we did a, an awful lot of facilitation, obviously, during the pandemic, thousands yeah. and thousands of sessions. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we went with Zoom. Okay, and um, then we had Mighty Networks, and then we had Slack for the business, and then we had WhatsApp for Friday evenings, like, you know, not doing that (laughs) week again, kind of conversations. Um, And then there was another another business, I'm not sure if you were, called Butter, which looks really cool as well. They're they're in in Europe. So tell us um, how InOrbit integrates or kind of works from uh, solving all that kind of distributed software problems because it was very kind of hard to follow. I know, and then email as well was in there as well. So it was very hard to follow all of these conversations and create those rules about where the files were, Google Drive or Dropbox or God forbid Box or somewhere else. What does InOrbit do and how does it solve those problems? I think one of the key things that we found in facilitation is really just getting access to best practices and doing it as an activity, right? And you get templates, you get this, you know, you're able to drag it into, for example, a Canvas-like experience and you fill in the box. But one of the key things is you're still largely dependent on reading and getting someone else to have done the pre-prep work to be able to go and contribute meaningfully. True, yeah. And that's that's huge overhead for any facilitator and also then when you're in the actual mode of um, running the workshop you're encouraging people to come in fill in their content help them through the process of understanding what they're doing and i think that's the 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 real opportunity for us in in all bit which is um, we want to be able to kind of reduce the overhead of structuring a session if you would and in doing so have all of the plethora of best practices that you would want to have access to in a specific, for example, if you're triaging a, you know, um, what is your stack rank or what's the hopes and fears of a project and how can you guide the particular team? Uh, if you, if nobody has done that before, having to be able to go and do the research and set that up takes a lot of time. And then in doing the actual workshop, um, whether you know, whether you're on track or you're successful, that's also, you know, quite difficult to gauge. Uh, in orbit solves that problem. We tr- restructure the session in a meaningful way. We give guidances throughout the, each step. And in uh, all steps of, and all, in all of those particular experiences, you're able to go through it asynchronously and come back and reflect on the, the, the content. Okay. So it's an asynchronous workshop. So it helps. Mm, exactly. Uh, right. It's an interesting proposition. Um, mm-hmm. And can you insert videos during that experience of like, say like, hey, this is Royce um, in this section. So it's like a, sort of a crossover between a on-demand learning and workshop facilitation. Is that right? I'm doing your proposition exactly. testing here for you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Confirmed it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just nodding my head for those who are listening. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's, it's, it's those particular... I can't say too much more. You're, you're looking into that future state. <laughs> okay. It's yeah. interesting. You know, it, it's like usertesting.com um, in some ways. Um but for workshops, which is a which is a really interesting space because 
when we were working with you know this is doing we had people in australia we had people in america working with us and we had people in europe and we had that kind of experience of like what time would we do this workshop at exactly yeah and, and when when will you, you have that get... commerce as well yeah exactly right and one of the key things the difficult things is like how do i go through this template like there's no do i have to read mm. through it where the yeah. session is yeah exactly and then when you go through that process it's 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 a difficult one right and so I think in all of its uh, solutions, it's going to resolve that particular problem. Uh, it's going to give it a little bit more of a kick up the butt in terms of like, you know, um, yeah, yeah, just delightful experiences on the UI and that kind of thing. And I think, you know, with the integrations that you were talking about, it's going to make it even more useful and a little bit more, um, I guess, addictive. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. No one likes to be addicted, folks. Um, <laughs> do you... Um... When you when you look at the the video engine, is this a place where people meet then if they wanted to do a live session, or is it just? Uh... And I think we we are looking at both. So if you're doing a live session, um, we have these things called workspaces where you're able to have your live sessions and scheduled. And in doing so, you'll be able to go and say, "Here's a cadence of these type of workshops that I want to run for my team," versus this is a once-off that everybody can join immediately, and you have presence there. You can have your voting and your timers and all that kind of good mm. stuff in there. Um, I think those are the things that are going to help us with, you know, um, not only the usefulness of the tool when you're in a live situation, versus you know, you've got a distributed team and you want to kind of empathize, so everybody can have asynchronous contribution. But the end state is really interesting. When you facilitate a workshop, there's a lot of data and information that comes out for those, from those. Mm. And it's sometimes difficult to translate that from a canvas-like or a real-life board into a digital format that you can record and kind of think about. Um, what we want to do is resolve that problem too. So okay. that you'll be able to compare your workshops from all your sessions from one to the next. One of the big things with workshops is the, the learning alongside other people. Mm -hmm. um how has that been considered and also um what are the challenges around that because if it's if it's asynchronous and yeah. you're the first person in versus the last person and you're getting a different experience if that's been catered to yeah absolutely and so one of the, one of the key things that we're trying to introduce is this ability to do surveys at the end of it okay. and um there's a builder function that we our builder feature that we are uh, looking to build as part of our next iteration. One of the key things that we found in our beta release of the product is that individuals really want to think about um, customizing their work, uh, their sessions to mm. the, the, the vocabulary of the business all the way through the values and the things that they call, um, yeah. like you know the teams that they, um, they refer to. And so that customization, that level of customization is really important. But what we've, um, I guess, concluded from that conversation is that if we created the builder up like option, they can take whatever baseline template or you know play that we've we've created, and they can make it their own. And I think this customization, this ability to kind of like introduce nuances, but also kind of uh, put the, the the opportunity or the um, the edit and customization in the hands of those who are facilitation will make it a lot more, I guess, useful and on in context. Nice. Well, if, if people want to try it out, like I've been on the website here and um, it says you can sign up for a beta. Is that, yeah. um, is, is the beta open? We will be sent, we will be updating in a couple of weeks. So look out for that particular okay. uh, launch. And once we have that up, everybody will be able to access okay. it. Okay. 
But I will put a link to uh, in orbit in the show notes, and people can put in their details there. And will you, if they sign up to that, will you alert them then when the beta is open and can get access to it? There's mm-hmm. a couple of people here that I, I'd like to share that around to, so they can kind of mm-hmm. play with it and maybe give you feedback. Um, I think it's a super cool, uh, an interesting space, um, especially as the world we find ourselves in now. We're doing hybrid stuff. Um, yeah. so it's interesting to, to see where everything goes so best to look with that Royce yeah. is there anything else you want to you know chat about or give a shout out to before we wrap up the episode no I really enjoyed this particular conversation I think one of the key things I just want to add is uh, mm. for those who are thought leaders in the space and they want to be able to kind of create their own play and give you know, access to everybody in terms of helping them facilitate a better outcome from the workshops mm. in all but just to be and reach okay. out and you're always interested here yeah i'll put a link to your linkedin as well because i'm sure people will maybe have questions and just want to you know chat to you anyway because it, it's it's interesting to have somebody who's um as i say got two titles it's uh, <laughs> not only that but it must be kind of challenging because you've got two kids as well There's a lot of twos in this um yeah. balancing all of this stuff um oh, how, yeah. how is that and how, how do you manage staying sane I, I think one of the key things is compartmentalizing. Um, I feel like I have a pretty good routine with my team at Big Commerce, and of in the in the family side, I've got a beautiful wife who is very supportive, and we have a routine with the kids. Yeah. Um, getting used to the long nights from nine to one a.m. It's good too. Uh, nine in the, the morning to one a.m. at night. Uh, no. So from nine at night to one a.m. two a.m. in the morning. For for big commerce, is that the time you were? Oh, big in all the yeah, in all the, the reverse. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Okay. Um, that's pretty intense. Um, mm. so yeah, how are you how are you staying on top of like just getting time for yourself? And that's something that I'm I'm learning about myself. Um, how do you how do you manage that, or do you manage it? Uh, well, I think i'm probably not managing as best as, as well as i should be um but i really love what i'm doing i think innova is an amazing space and an amazing problem and an opportunity and i'm putting my all and effort into it and i think the the the, the thrills from seeing people using it and really connecting with it yeah. is making me energized and wanting to do more so yeah um that's where i'm getting the energy from uh, okay that's a good response um but look royce again thank you for giving me the time i know it's your your evening time and in sydney it's probably cutting into some of your family time so i don't want to take up any more of your time um yeah, but i'll throw a link to everything that we've spoken about here in the show notes um thanks for giving me uh, all this interesting insights for big commerce and in orbit and best of luck with everything thanks jerry appreciate it there you go folks i hope you enjoyed that episode and if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more why not visit thisishcd.com where you can learn more about what we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there thanks again for listening